you've survived another year. Thank you for listening, downloading, and supporting the Black Man with a Gun Show. I'm your host, Ken Blanchett, and I want to thank you for being a part of my life. This week, we're going to go deep in history because that's what you say you like sometimes when I do it. So we're going to talk about the history of slavery and the Emancipation Proclamation. Get the chance to hear the whole thing in detail. Michael J. Woodland gives us some tips about cleaning your firearm. And if you're not careful, you might actually learn something in this episode. If you want to contact me, you can find me at blackmanwithagun.com. My contact email is blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. And if you want to find me and see what I'm doing on everything else, check out kenblanchard.com. That's Ken with two N's. Happy New Year to you. Blackmanwithagun.com. Ken Blanchard's Pro-Gun Podcast. I won't be wronged. I won't be insulted. I won't be laid a hand on. I don't do these things to other people. I require the same from them. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Michael, you're up next, sir. Thank you, Ken, and welcome to another Tips and Review segment. I am Michael Woodland, and today we're going to discuss cleaning a rifle properly. How many of us take the time to actually clean our firearm after every session at the range? How many of us actually fire our rifles once a month, but clean the same firearm once a week? There is no real true answer, but how you view your firearm and your belief. Would you think of me differently if I told you I do not clean my firearm regularly? Upon my earlier days in the Army, I took notice at how my shot groups started out in a spreading pattern But after a few rounds, the shot groups were so tight, it was like artwork. At the same time, I didn't realize that residue from the bullet and the gases were making it better, so to speak. It is important to understand how your firearm operates in a variety of conditions to understand it better. Me personally, I do not clean my firearm after every session at the range or match I frequent. My M4 rifle has not been cleaned in over six months but I do not run it hard. The determination of when to clean my M4 rifle is when my shot groups start to spread out from being consistently close. There has never been any malfunctions with my firearm due to the lack of maintenance, but if I have a match or event that I consider to be high profile, then I will clean it in order to lessen the chances of mishaps from lack of cleaning. Then there is the belief that the firearms of today will run dirty and keep going. This could be true, but when the time is needed to pull your firearm, you do not want to be correcting any type of malfunctions, especially when your life is on the line. With that being said, this is my personal opinion on how to clean my rifle, and I do not say this is the gospel, but a technique that works for me. There are multiple ways to clean your firearm, and if you go to YouTube, there are a ton of videos to get a general idea. Me personally, I like to use Rogers Advanced Gun Cleaning Solution, and can be found at rogersshootingschool.com. 
If you are not one who likes to put your firearm in water, this is not going to be the solution for you. My experience with this product has been going on now for over three years and never had any issues. There are many solutions and cleaners out there that works in different processes, but a rag, a bore brush for the caliber of your firearm, CLP, also known as cleaning, lubricant, and protectant, and a regular cleaning brush that looks like a toothbrush will also get the job done. Cleaning your firearm is just as important as firing it. It is a process that goes hand in hand. Take a few moments and clean your firearm and take a look for anything that is out of place or looks worn. Keep your firearm in top working order as you do with the maintenance of your vehicle and you will be happy with it for years to come. For those who are looking to contact me, visit blackmanwiththegun.com and under the leaders tab, click on my name, Michael Woodland, and shoot me an email. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun. Back to you, Ken. Thanks, Mike. Good job, Doc. Hey, make sure you check out blackmanwiththegun.tv for a new show that will be coming out at least twice a month. Video between me and Mike. We're covering some different stuff. Trying something new in 2018. I'm hoping you'll be a part of it. Subscribe today if you get a chance. Also, check out Mike's link on blackmanwiththegun.com. There's a store tab that's under his name now. Check that out, too. Do you have a concealed carry permit? Have you received training? Been educated in its use of self-defense and protecting you and your family? Well, one piece you might be missing is self-defense insurance. It's what responsible gun owners do. A friend of mine started a company a magazine back in the day. And the magazine was successful. He was able to branch out, provide education, training, and self-defense insurance for responsible gun owners. It's the USCCA. I'm now an affiliate. I want to show off my buddy right now. Go to uscca.blackmanwiththegun.com and check out the page. I guarantee you there's something that you could use, something that can help you, something that can make you better uscca.blackmanwithagun.com Check it out. Education, training, and self-defense insurance for responsible gun owners. This portion of the show is sponsored by CrossbreedHolsters.com Crossbreed Holsters has gained national recognition as a maker of the best and most functional concealment holsters available on the market today. Each holster is handcrafted to ensure your firearm is safe and secure while carrying, combined with the best customer service in the industry. Visit CrossbreedHolsters.com. Slavery, a timeline in history. 1501, African slaves in the New World. Spanish settlers bring slaves from Africa to the Dominican Republic. 1522. Slave revolt. Slaves rebel in the Caribbean island, which is now Haiti and Dominican Republic. 1562. Britain joins the slave trade. A man by the name of John Hawkins takes part in the slave trade and brings human cargo from Africa to what is now Haiti and Dominican Republic. It was then called Hispaniola. 1581. Slaves in Florida. Spanish residents in St. Augustine, the first permanent settlement in Florida, import African slaves. 1612, the first commercial tobacco crop is raised in Jamestown, Virginia. 
1619. 20 slaves in Virginia. Africans brought to Jamestown are the first slaves imported into Britain's North American colonies. 1626. The Dutch West Indian Company imports 11 black male slaves into a place called New Netherlands. 1636. The slave trade begins when the first American slave carrier, named Desire, is built and launched in Massachusetts. 1640. John Punch, a runaway black servant, is sentenced to servitude for life. His two white companions are given extended terms of servitude. Punch is the first documented slave for life. 1641. Massachusetts is the first colony to legalize slavery. 1643. The New England Confederation of Plymouth, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and New Haven adopt a fugitive slave law. 1650. Connecticut legalizes slavery. 1652. Rhode Island passes laws restricting slavery and forbidding enslavement for more than 10 years. Massachusetts requires all black and Indian servants to receive military training in 1652. 1654. A Virginia court grants blacks the right to hold slaves. 1657. Virginia passes a fugitive slave law. 1662. Hereditary slavery Virginia law decrees that children of black mothers Quote, shall be bond or free according to the condition of the mother, end quote. 1662 also, Massachusetts reverses a ruling dating back to 1652, which allowed blacks to train in arms. New York, Connecticut, and New Hampshire passed similar laws restricting the bearing of arms. 1663, in Gloucester County, Virginia, the first documented slave rebellion in the colonies takes place. 1663, Maryland, legalizes slavery. 1664. New York and New Jersey legalize slavery. 1664. Also, Maryland is the first colony to take legal action against marriages between white women and black men. 1664. The state of Maryland mandates lifelong servitude for all black slaves. New York, New Jersey, the Carolinas, and Virginia all pass similar laws. 1666. Maryland passes a fugitive slave law. In 1668, New Jersey passes a fugitive slave law. 1670. The state of Virginia prohibits free blacks and Indians from keeping, quote, white servants. In 1676 in Virginia, black slaves and black and white indentured servants band together to participate in Bacon's Rebellion. 1680. The state of Virginia forbids blacks and slaves from bearing arms, prohibits blacks from congregating in large numbers, and mandates harsh punishment for slaves who assault Christians or attempt to escape. 1682. Virginia declares that all imported black servants are slaves for life. 1684. New York makes it illegal for slaves to sell goods. 1688. The Pennsylvania Quakers passed the first formal anti-slavery resolution. 1691. Virginia passed the first laws forbidding marriages between whites and blacks, or whites and Native Americans. 1691. South Carolina passes the first comprehensive slave codes. 1694. Rice cultivation is introduced into Carolina. Slave importation increases dramatically. 1696. The Royal African Trade Company loses its monopoly in New England. Colonists enter the slave trade. 1700. Pennsylvania legalizes slavery. 1702. New York passes an act for regulating slaves. 
Among the prohibitions of this act are meetings of more than three slaves, trading by slaves, and testimony by slaves in court. 1703. Connecticut assigns the punishment of whipping to any slaves who disturb the peace or assault whites. 1703. Rhode Island makes it illegal for blacks and Indians to walk at night without passes. 1705. Slaves as property, describing slaves as real estate. Virginia lawmakers allow owners to bequeath their slaves. The same law allows masters to kill and destroy runaways. 1705. The Virginia Slave Code codifies slave status, declaring all non-Christian servants entering the colony to be slaves. It defines all slaves as real estate, acquits masters who kill slaves during punishment, forbids slaves and freed colored people from physically assaulting white persons and denies slaves the right to bear arms or move abroad without any written permission. 1705. New York declares that punishment by execution will be applied to certain runaway slaves. Also, Massachusetts makes marriage and sexual relations between blacks and whites illegal. 1706. New York declares blacks, Indians, and slaves who kill white people to be the subject to the death penalty. 1708. Blacks outnumber whites in South Carolina. 1710. New York forbids blacks, Indians, and mulattoes from walking at night without lighted lanterns. 1711. Pennsylvania prohibits the importation of blacks and Indians. Also, Rhode Island prohibits the clandestine importation of blacks and Indian slaves. 1712. Pennsylvania prohibits the importation of slaves. There's a slave revolt. New York slaves in New York City kill whites during an uprising, but it is stopped by the militia. Nineteen rebels were executed. New York declared it illegal for blacks, Indians, and slaves to murder other blacks, Indians, and slaves. New York forbid freed blacks, Indians, and mulatto slaves from owning real estate and holding property. In Charleston, South Carolina, slaves are forbidden from hiring themselves out. 1715, Rhode Island legalizes slavery. Maryland declares all slaves entering that province of their descendants to be slaves for life. 1717, New York enacts a fugitive slave law. In 1723, Virginia abolishes manumissions. 1724, French Louisiana prohibits slaves from marrying without the permission of their owners. From 1730 to 1750, the number of male and female slaves imported to the North American British colonies balances out for the first time. 1732, slaves aboard the ship of New Hampshire, Captain John Major, killed both captain and crew, seizing the vessel and its cargo. In 1733, Quaker Elihu Coleman's A Testimony Against That Anti-Christian Practice of Making Slaves of Men is published. In 1735, under English law, Georgia prohibits the importation and use of black slaves. 1735, though, Georgia petitions Britain for the legalization of slavery. Some back and forth, and Louis XV, King of France, declares that when an enslaved woman gives birth to the child of a free man, neither mother nor child can be sold. Further, after a certain time, mother and child will be freed. In 1738, Georgia's trustees permit the importation of black slaves. Spanish Florida promises freedom and land to runaway slaves. Slaves in Stono, South Carolina, rebel in 1739, sacking and burning an armory and killing whites. Some 75 slaves in South Carolina steal weapons and flee toward freedom in Florida, which is then under Spanish rule. Crushed by the South Carolina militia, the revolt results in the deaths of 40 blacks and 20 whites. The colonial militia puts an end to the rebellion before slaves are able to reach freedom in Florida. In 1740, South Carolina passes the Comprehensive Negro Act, making it illegal for slaves to move abroad, assemble in groups, raise food, earn money, and learn to read English. 
Owners are permitted to kill rebellious slaves if necessary. Georgia and Carolina attempt to evade Florida in retaliation for the territory's policy toward runaways. In 1749, Georgia repeals its prohibition and permits the importation of black slaves. 1751, George II repeals the 1705 Act making slaves real estate in Virginia. 1758, Pennsylvania Quakers forbid their members from owning slaves or participating in the slave trade. 1760, New Jersey prohibits the enlistment of slaves in the militia without their master's permission. 1767, the Virginia House of Burgess boycotts the British slave trade in protest of the Townsend Acts, Georgia and the Carolinas follow suit. In 1770, escaped slave Crispus Attucks is killed by the British forces in Boston, Massachusetts. He is one of the first colonists to die in the war for independence. In 1772, the first autobiographical slave narrative was written by James Albert Ucalsaw Gronisaw. In 1773, the first separate black church in America is founded in South Carolina. Slaves in Massachusetts unsuccessfully petitioned the government for their freedom. Phyllis Wheatley becomes the first published African-American poet when the London Publishing Company releases a collection of her work. In 1774, the First Continental Congress bans trade with Britain and vows to discontinue the slave trade after the 1st of December. Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Georgia prohibit the importation of slaves. Virginia takes action against slave importation. In 1775, the slave population in the colonies is nearly 500,000. In Virginia, the ratio of free colonists to slaves is nearly one to one. In South Carolina, it is approximately 1 to 2. 1775, Georgia takes action against slave importation. Abolitionist Society Anthony Benazette of Philadelphia founds the world's first abolitionist society. Benjamin Franklin becomes its president in 1787. In April of 1775, the first battles of the Revolutionary War are waged against the British and colonial armies at Lexington and Concord, Massachusetts. Black Minutemen participate in the fighting. In July, George Washington announced a ban on the enlistment of free blacks and slaves in the colonial army. By the end of the year, he reverses the ban, ordering the Continental Army to accept the service of free blacks. In November, Virginia Governor John Murray, Lord Dunmore, issues a proclamation announcing that any slave fighting on the side of the British will be freed. In 1776 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, members of the Continental Congress sign the Declaration of Independence. In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the Society of Friends, also known as the Quakers, forbids its members from holding slaves. Delaware prohibits the importation of African slaves. In 1777, Vermont is the first of the 13 colonies to abolish slavery and enfranchise all adult males. New York enfranchises all free propertied men regardless of color or prior servitude. In 1778, Rhode Island forbids the removal of slaves from the state. Virginia prohibits the importation of slaves. In 1780, Delaware makes it illegal to enslave imported Africans. Pennsylvania begins a gradual emancipation. Also, in 1780, a freedom clause in the Massachusetts Constitution is interpreted as an abolishment of slavery. Massachusetts enfranchises all men regardless of race. 1783, American Revolution ends and Britain and the baby United States signed the Peace of Paris Treaty. In 1784, Abolition Effort Congress narrowly defeats Thomas Jefferson's proposal to ban slavery in new territories after 1800. 1790's first United States census nearly 700,000 slaves live and toil in a nation of 3.9 million people. In 1793, Fugitive Slave Act, the United States outlaws any efforts to impede the capture of runaway slaves. In 1794, 
the invention of the cotton gin. Eli Whitney patents his device for pulling seeds from cotton. The invention turns cotton into a cash crop in the American South, and it creates a huge demand for slave labor. 1808, United States bans slave trade. Importing African slaves is outlawed, but smuggling continues. 1820, the Missouri Compromise. Missouri is admitted to the Union as a slave state. Maine as a free state. Slavery is forbidden in any subsequent territories north of latitude 36 degrees 30. In 1822, a slave revolt in South Carolina. Freed slave Denmark Vesey attempts a rebellion in Charleston, South Carolina. 35 participants in the ill-fated uprising are hanged. In 1831, Virginia slave preacher Nat Turner leads a two-day uprising against whites, killing about 60. Militiamen crush the revolt, then spend two months searching for Turner, who was eventually caught and hung. Enraged Southerners impose harsher restrictions on their slaves. 1835. Censorship. Southern states expel abolitionists and forbid the mailing of anti-slavery propaganda. In 1846 to 1848, the Mexican-American War. Mexico yields an enormous amount of territory to the United States. Americans then wrestle with the controversial topic, is slavery permitted in these new lands? In 1847, escaped slave Frederick Douglass begins publishing The North Star in Rochester, New York. In 1849, Harriet Tubman, after fleeing slavery, returns south at least 15 times to help rescue others. 1850, the Compromise of 1850. In exchange for California's entering the Union as a free state, Northern congressmen accept a harsher Fugitive Slave Act. In 1852, Uncle Tom's Cabin is published by Harriet Beecher Stowe, and it has a novel about the horrors of slavery, and it sells 300,000 copies within a year of publication. 1854, the Kansas-Nebraska Act. Setting aside the Missouri Compromise of 1820, Congress allows these two new territories to choose whether to allow slavery and violent clashes happen. In 1857, Dred Scott decision, the Supreme Court decides, 7-2, to two, that blacks can never be citizens and that Congress has no authority to outlaw slavery in any territory. 1860, Abraham Lincoln becomes the first Republican to win the United States presidency. Southern succession, South Carolina succeeds in December. More states follow the next year. In 1861 to 65, the United States Civil War. Four years of brutal conflict claim 623,000 lives. President Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation on January 1st, 1863. As the nation approached its third year of bloody civil war, the proclamation declared, quote, that all persons held as slaves within the rebellious states are, and henceforward, shall be free. Despite its expansive words, the Emancipation Proclamation was limited. It only applied to the states that had succeeded from the Union, leaving slavery untouched in the loyal border states. It also expressively exempted parts of the Confederacy that had already come under Northern control. Most important, the freedom it promised depended upon the Union military victory. Although the Emancipation Proclamation did not end slavery, in the nation, it captured the hearts and imaginations of millions of Americans and fundamentally transformed the character of the war. After January 1st, 1863, every advance of federal troops expanded the domain of freedom. The proclamation announced the acceptance of black men into the Union Army and Navy, enabling the liberated to become liberators. By the end of the war, almost 200,000 black soldiers and sailors had fought for the Union and freedom. From the first days of the Civil War, Slaves had acted to secure their own liberty. The Emancipation Proclamation confirmed their insistence that the war for the Union must become a war for freedom. It added moral force to the Union's cause and strengthened the Union both militarily and politically. As a milestone along the road to slavery's final destruction, the Emancipation Proclamation has assumed a place among the great documents of human freedom. A Proclamation
Whereas, on the 22nd day of September, in the year of our Lord, 1862, a proclamation was issued by the President of the United States, containing, among other things, the following to wit, that on the first day of January, in the year of our Lord, 1863, all persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of a state, the people whereof shall then be in rebellion against the United States, shall be then thenceforward and forever free. And the executive government of the United States, including the military and Navy authority thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of such persons and will do no act or act to repress such persons or any of them in any effort they make for their actual freedom. That the executive will, on the first day of January aforesaid, by proclamation, designate the states and part of the states, if any, in which the people thereof, respectively, shall then be in rebellion against the United States, and the fact that any state or the people thereof shall on that day be in good faith represented in the Congress of the United States by members chosen thereto at elections, wherein a majority of the qualified voters of such state shall have participated, shall, in the absence of strong countervailing testimony, be deemed conclusive evidence that such state and the people thereof are not then in rebellion against the United States. Now, therefore I, Abraham Lincoln, President of the United States, by virtue of the power in me vested as a Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy of the United States in time of actual armed rebellion against the authority and government of the United States, and as a fit and necessary war measure for suppressing said rebellion, do, on this first day of January, in the year of our Lord, 1863, and in accordance with my purpose, so to do publicly proclaim for the full period of 100 days from the day first above mentioned, order and designate as the states and parts of states wherein the people thereof respectively are this day in rebellion against the United States, the following, to wit, Arkansas, Texas, Louisiana, except the parishes of St. Bernard, Plaquemines, Jefferson, St. John, St. Charles, St. James, Ascension, Assumption, Terrebonne, Lafourche, St. Mary, St. Martin, and Orleans, including the city of New Orleans, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Virginia, except the 48 counties designated as West Virginia, and also the counties of Berkeley, Accumac, Northampton, Elizabeth City, York, Princess Anne, Norfolk, and including the cities of Norfolk and Portsmouth, and which accepted parts are for the present left precisely as if this proclamation were not issued. And by virtue of the power and for the purpose aforesaid, I do order and declare that all persons held as slaves within said designated states and parts of states are, and henceforward shall be free, and that the executive government of the United States, including the military and navy authorities thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of said persons. I hereby enjoin upon the people so declared to be free to abstain from all violence, unless in necessary self-defense. And I recommend to them that in cases when allowed, they labor faithfully for reasonable wages. And I further declare and make known that such persons of suitable condition will be received into the armed services of the United States to garrison forts, positions, stations, and other places, and demand vessels of all sorts in said service. And upon this act, sincerely believed to be an act of justice warranted by the Constitution upon military necessity, I invoke the considerate judgment of mankind 
and the gracious favor of Almighty God. In witness whereof, I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed. Done in the city of Washington, this first day of January, in the year of our Lord, 1863, and the independence of the United States of America, the 87th. By the President, Abraham Lincoln, William H. Seward, Secretary of State. Now I want to take you back to the Civil Rights era, the era which I grew up in. Churches had a celebration called a watch night service. It's a lot different from what you see today. There was no T.D. Jakes and singers and dancers and revelry as we know it today. Watch night service was a celebration of freedom. It goes back to that Emancipation Proclamation, which you just heard. On that night, on New Year's Eve night, people remembered that we weren't always free. And they waited, knowing that at the strike of midnight, they would be free. And as free people, they shot off celebratory gunfire, shotguns and rifles and pistols. They banged pots and pans. They made noise and they praised God for freedom to be considered men and women to no longer be under the bondage of a slave. Free men own guns. Slaves do not. I was about five or six spending the winter break from school with my grandmother in a town called Whaleville, Virginia, which is about a stone's throw from the North Carolina line in Tidewater, Virginia, a town now called Suffolk. It was also the same area that Nat Turner ran and hid. It was usually cold in that drafty old house of my grandmother's. We sat on three mattresses and we had quilts and blankets and there was a potbelly stove in the corner that gave us heat if you would dare to get outside the covers. But right before the stroke of midnight, in the silence of a rural farm 18 miles away from town, you would hear an old lady grab an old shotgun that sat behind the wood box in the kitchen. You would hear her feet sliding on the linoleum. You would hear the back door open. You would hear her steps as she walked on the porch, open the next screen door again, and shout, Happy New Year! And she would pull the trigger on that old Sears shotgun and celebrate her freedom. We as kids, probably three or four deep in the bed, would laugh and giggle that Grandma would probably kill somebody someday. How dare the old lady have a shotgun? She's too old to have a gun, we used to say. She's going to hurt somebody. And normally, there was always a dead branch that fell down during the night from the shotgun blast that she shot, which made us laugh even more. Sounds were piercing in the quietness of a cold winter night. But it was a tradition that I couldn't wait for, for Grandma to grab the shotgun, to fire off a round or two, and scream, Happy New Year, that on that first day of January, in the year of our Lord, she was thenceforward and forever free. On this New Year's Day, I give thanks to the Almighty for you. Thank you for being a part of my life. For all those I've shot with, spoken to, met, hugged, kissed, enjoyed company, smoked a cigar, had an adult beverage with, enjoyed something over these past 20, 
Thank you so much for enriching my life, for being a part of the struggle, for advancing the right to keep and bear arms. And as I look around today, I see a lot of new faces. And that's a good thing. I charge you and challenge you to not be like the oppressors. I challenge you to lead by example, to take the high road always, to be leaders worthy of respect. My sisters and brothers of Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and all that, it's about impact. It's about influence. It's about inspiration. Impact involves getting results. Don't forget how you got here. Influence is about spreading the word, using the power that you have right now. Don't forget how you got here. You stand on the shoulders of others. And don't forget to inspire. A real leader is the one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. This has been your friend and your brother from another mother, Ken Blanchard. Just in case nobody has told you this this year. I love you. And there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Until next time. Shalom, baby. Lakaim to life. Don't you ever feel sad? Lean on me when times are bad. When the day comes and you're down in a river of trouble. And about to drown Hold on I'm coming Hold on I'm coming On my way Your friend and your brother If you need the heat I'll put down cover You don't have to worry Cause I'm here No need to suffer Your big brother's here Hold on I'm coming, hold on, I'm coming, hold on, I'm coming, hold on, I'm coming, reach out to me, like man with a gun, for satisfaction, yeah, call my name, for a quick Reaction Hey, hey, hey Now don't you ever Feel sad Lean on me When times are bad, when the day comes and you're down in a river of trouble and about to drown, hold on, I'm coming, hold on, I'm coming, hold on, I'm coming, hold on, I'm coming, hold on. I'm coming, hold on, I'm coming.
with Ken and his cause, head over to blackmanwithagun.com. Are you starting something new? Do you need a logo, a mascot, website redesign, a new website altogether, album art for your podcast, or maybe even some podcast producing? If so, contact me, your friend, and your brother from another mother at KenBlanchard.com. I'm more than another company. I will help you get from where you are to where you want to go. Graphics, media, and design at KenBlanchard.com. Speak Live Podcast. Speak Life Podcast. Speak Live Podcast. It's a must listen for every man and woman who wears a badge, owns a gun, hunts, or believes that freedom is life's first right. Speak Life Podcast is going to give you what you missed, make you smarter, give you less stress, less fear, and more faith in God. The same God folks are trying hard to trivialize, marginalize, and misunderstand. Speak Life Podcast, now available on iTunes and Google Play.